This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Then a solid start last Sunday against Kansas City. He's 2-4 and four in a 6.46 ERA. Kramer, 10-4, 4, 4.59, historically has given the Yankees trouble. No Aaron Judge in the lineup tonight for the Yankees. It's the third game back since he returned from injury. He has certainly changed the dynamic, perhaps even more so than we thought, at least just in terms of how quickly he has changed the dynamic of the Yankees lineup. But they'll have to make do without him tonight unless there is a possibility of seeing him in a pinch-hitting role. Uh, the Mets did win 5-2 to two over the Nationals, so they win that weekend series three out of four games over the last-place Nats. The Mets are now 50-55. and 55. But, of course, the story with the Mets nowadays is anything but what's happening on the field. Uh, you know, the fire sale, even though their general manager, Billy Epler, will not term it as such, but it is underway. David Robertson gone on Thursday night right after the Mets opened that series with a win over the Nats. And then the next night, Max Scherzer pitched a gem. The Mets won again. After the game, Scherzer said he was not happy, or at least implied strongly that he was not happy with the trade of David Robertson, said he needed to have a conversation with Mets Brass, and that conversation led to a ticket out of town to the Texas Rangers, where he will be a prominent part of the pennant race in the American League. And now you have Justin Verlander perhaps pitching his final game as a Met this afternoon, and he pitched really well again. And Verlander over the last month and a half, has been arguably the best pitcher in baseball. We're going to talk a lot about the Mets. We're going to talk a lot about the Jets as well. Aaron Rodgers had some really interesting comments about Broncos head coach Sean Payton in response to what Payton had said about the Jets franchise, but more specifically, Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. We'll spend a lot of time this first hour on the Yankees, though, as we take you up till first pitch uh, of the Yanks and the Orioles in Camden Yards. You know, the other night when I was hosting during the opening game of the series on uh, on Friday night, that rain-delayed game, so I was on for, for virtually the entire game from 10 to midnight, uh, I was commenting on the scene at Camden Yards and how it is still one of the – the ballpark itself is still one of the gems of Major League Baseball, even 31 years after it first opened in 1992. And it has always been a great baseball town, and there have been pockets of times during their history in Baltimore, which dates back to 1954, when the Orioles have been really good. In the 60s and early 70s, they had really good teams. In the early to mid-80s with Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray, they had really good teams. And in the mid-90s, they had really good teams. And in the mid-90s, especially in the uh, 60s and 70s, especially a really strong rivalry with the Yankees, but really other than a brief three or four year period when Buck Showalter was their manager, um, the Orioles, not a lot of success. In fact, um, two years ago, this is a franchise that lost 110 games, not a lot of success over the last 10 or 15 years. It has been awesome this weekend to see that ballpark fill and alive and not just alive with Yankee fans. And there's still a good amount of Yankee fans, which makes for a great atmosphere when the two teams get together. But case in point about how far this franchise has come, and the Orioles are now 63-41 and 41 and in first place and have the best record in the American League. This is their first time playing on Sunday Night Baseball at Camden Yards. First time Sunday Night Baseball has been in Camden Yards in five years. That is the marquee game each week on the Major League Baseball schedule. And 
that stadium and that franchise has not been featured on it at home in five years. So just another sign of how far they have come. And it's great that the Yankees are there tonight because the Yankees are in the midst of trying to turn their season around as well. Now, when you look at where the Yankees are right now, boy, a different team without Aaron Judge. And that has been punctuated these last two nights. Um, did we forget how, how good Judge was? I don't think so. But generally, when somebody is out of the lineup for two months, uh, for him to come back like he – and I know it's only two games, but for him to come back like he hasn't missed a beat – um, what has been the biggest problem for the Yankees? Well, the biggest problem has been scoring runs without Aaron Judge. In fact, the Yankees, since Judge went down on June 3rd, have scored the second fewest runs in Major League Baseball. The only team that has scored fewer runs is the Kansas City Royals. So the biggest problem for the Yankees has been not being able to score runs. The reason why you can't score runs is you don't get guys on base. And here Judge is in his two games back, in nine plate appearances, he's been on base six times. And you are going to see that the rest of the season. And it could turn into a problem if the guys around him, and specifically the guys behind him, don't start hitting. Because the first night, Judge got into the batter's box. The first pitch he saw, he hits an absolute seed to right field that hung up there just long enough for Anthony Santander to make a relatively routine catch. But he was right on that pitch. And the rest of the night, his next three plate appearances, the Orioles pitchers wanted absolutely nothing to do with Aaron Judge. And the strategy worked because the Yankees were shut out. They had their rallies and they had their chances, including in the eighth inning when Rizzo looked like he had the go-ahead base hit ticketed to right field, but he was robbed by an incredible defensive play by the second baseman. But still, the strategy of putting Judge on base three times and not pitching to him worked out, and teams will continue to do that. From now until the end of the season, teams will continue to do that until the Yankees, Judge's teammates, give them a reason not to do that. And last night, Judge was pitched to, he smacks a couple of hits. He smacks a two-run home run. He's three for six in his two games back, and he just lifts the rest of the team. I mean, it is so plain and so evident how much everybody else's performance. Rizzo looks different. Um, Stanton looks different. Torres has been fine. DJ LeMahieu looks different. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa had one of the great at-bats of the season last night when he cleared the bases with that two-out double into the left-field corner in the middle of the game. They just look different and more confident when Judge is there, and the Yankees have to ride that from now until the end of the regular season. And that is why we have been speculating for two months, as bad as the Yankees had been without Judge. And they weren't, you know, beating the world before Judge got injured either. They were inconsistent. They were frustrating even before Judge injured his toe in Los Angeles. But especially over the next two months, the biggest question was, will Judge get back in time to help carry this team, and can he carry this team? And I got to be honest with you, after watching them for two games, even though they lost one of them, even though they were shut out in one of those two games, by watching them for two games, if they can get elevated performances by other guys in their lineup who now with judge back will not be asked to do as much. And if they can add an outfielder, preferably from the left side of the plate. Okay. If they can add some depth in the bullpen, then yeah, with Aaron judge back, 
this is a team that can make a run. And that's why, unlike the Mets, who about a week ago, and this is even before the David Robertson trade, the David Robertson trade officially ended the Mets season and any pursuit of a playoff spot. But I feel like I was one of the last to hang in there and talk about the Mets and their playoff scenarios and if they can just go on a run. And I abandoned ship about a week and a half ago. And the reason I haven't abandoned ship on the Yankees, well, it's twofold. Number one, they were not as far back of the playoff picture as the Mets. At no point were they, and they still are not. And number two, there was the the looming return of Aaron Judge. And now that that has happened, and now that through two games you see what that looks like, it starts to give you ideas that he can turn this ship around. I mean, he's the captain, right? So it's a little bit of a cliche there. He's clearly the best player. And again, outside of Shohei Otani, who's doing incredible things, and if you take, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I know Otani might break Judge's home run record. He's got 39 after yesterday. Uh, he might break the American League single-season home run record, okay? If you take out Otani's pitching, now Otani's pitching ends any debate over who's the most impactful or the best baseball player in the major leagues, okay? But take out his pitching and just take Shohei Otani for what he is on the offensive side of the ball. If you include just that version of Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge is the best all-around player in baseball. Aaron Judge as an offensive player, and with that you have to include Judge's defense. Otani doesn't play defense. Aaron Judge as an offensive player is the best offensive player in baseball. It's not Shohei Otani. All right, Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball. What he does as a pitcher, again, puts him over the top. But Judge is that good. You know, and it'll be a real testament to Aaron Judge. If Again, if you watched the game last night, this team looked different with Judge. And it's got that trickle-down effect throughout the entire roster. It starts with the lineup and the important guys. You know, now Rizzo doesn't have as much pressure to carry the load. Neither does Stanton. Neither does LeMahieu. They all still have to do better than they have been doing, but they don't have to pick up so much of the slack anymore. Glaber Torres the same way. And then the younger guys. You know, when the veterans who I just mentioned aren't hitting and performing and Judge is out of the lineup, well, then the younger guys feel more of that pressure. Everything trickles down to the next rung of guys in the lineup or on the roster. And that happened to the Yankees in real time over the last two months. And Aaron Judge coming back changes all of that. He absorbs so Even when Aaron Judge isn't hitting, the reason he's not hitting is because he's being put on base. So even when he's not quote-unquote succeeding with a base hit, or a home run, or an extra base hit, the bad version from Aaron Judge is a walk, which helps the team. It's easier to hit with men on base. It puts more pressure on the pitcher. It drives his pitch count up. And then if you don't put Aaron Judge on base and you pitch to him, he's the best hitter in Major League Baseball. Hand, I'm not going to say hands down because Otani's right there. But Aaron Judge is the best offensive player in Major League Baseball, and he's back. And as bad as the Yankees were, I think we may have lost sight of just how meaningful and impactful Judge was to this lineup. Because last year when Judge was hitting 62 home runs, flirting with the triple crown, having one of the greatest single offensive seasons in the history of Major League Baseball, the Yankees as a whole 
were playing well. I mean, they got off to an insanely hot start. They, you know, plateaued a little bit in the middle of the season, but they rode that all the way to a division title, and other guys on that team had good seasons. This year, it was magnifying because nobody else had that good of a season. Nobody. So it just changes the possibility of what this team can do, and we'll see if they can ride that all the way home. All right, we'll get to uh, some reaction from the Yankees after last night's win. Uh, we'll set the stage for tonight's series finale in Baltimore. Your call is 1-800-919-3776. We've got three hours to spend together, so we will get to the Mets. Uh, we will get to the Jets as well, and whatever else is on your mind. It's Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Three games back, and they've got to jump over two teams. One of them, the Boston Red Sox, who are a game ahead of the Yankees. So it's Luis Severino, Dean Kramer on the mound tonight. Um, Aaron, uh, Aaron Boone, excuse me, I'm getting my Aaron's confused. Aaron Boone last night was asked, will Judge play tonight in Sunday night baseball? I don't know yet. But right now I'm leaning towards no, but we'll see. Well, he stayed with his convictions. Here's the Yankees lineup that they'll send out there tonight. Jake Bowers in right field. Glaber Torres at second base. Stanton is the DH. Anthony Rizzo batting cleanup at first base. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at third base tonight batting fifth. Harrison Bader in center field. Greg Allen gets the start in left field batting seventh. Anthony Volpe at short. And Kyle Higashioka is the catcher for Luis Severino. So a day off for Aaron Judge and a day off for DJ LeMahieu as well. Here's Judge after last night's win on resting so quickly after coming off the IL. Yeah, I understand it. I'm not happy about it, but you know, we'll that's a discussion we'll have on our own. We'll see we'll see what we uh the schedule we come up with and we'll kinda go from there. All right, so he's not starting. Will he be available in a pinch hitting role? Obviously we'll have to wait to see how the game plays out tonight. So uh judge again giving uh warning. Don't don't count us out of a playoff spot. How about Aaron Boone after last night? And that was a big win uh, against the Yankees. And you know what? They were involved in an awesome pitcher's duel on Friday night. It was a really well-played game. The Yankees had chances a couple of times with men on base. They were robbed by excellent defensive plays by the Orioles. The Orioles are a really good team. They're a really athletic team. That's how they have gotten to this point of having the best record in the American League. And then the Yankees' bullpen uh, gave up the walk-off home run to Santander, the only run of the game. They lost that. They bounced back in a big way last night, led again by Aaron Judge. So Boone was asked, after last night's win, does he see a playoff run in his team? I felt that way before tonight. I know we're capable of this. And, you know, obviously we got to do it more consistently, but even take the results out of just the level of tough, heavy at-bats was, was great. All right, so that's uh, the story on the Yankees as they try to win this series in Baltimore. And I said at the beginning of this 10-day stretch, three games in Baltimore, and then they come home for three against Tampa Bay and then four against the Houston Astros. The Tampa Bay and Houston series are both at Yankee Stadium. If the Yankees can go six and four against, with all due respect to the Texas Rangers, and we'll talk about the Texas Rangers, believe me, but if the Yankees can go six and four against who I think are probably the three best teams, the three most dangerous teams in the American League, um, don't lose any ground. In fact, gain a little bit of ground. You don't have to go seven and three or eight and two. I mean, that's that would be that would be great. But six and four puts you in position. Uh, again, now with Aaron Judge back, 
where you can really pick up some games when you play the lower echelon team, something that the Yankees were unable to do before and after the All-Star break. They weren't able to do it against the Cubs, and that was before the Cubs got hot. That was actually the start of when the Cubs got hot, by the way. Uh, they weren't able to do it against the Rockies, and they weren't able to do it against the Angels, and that's actually when the Angels started to get hot as well. Uh, so it's an interesting, interesting time for the Yankees uh, here as we approach tomorrow, the final day of July. 1-800-919-3776. Let's open up the phones. Let's go to Brian in Westbury. Brian, how you doing? Brian, what's going on? All right, Brian does not appear to be with us. Brian, if you uh, change your mind, feel free to call back. Let's go to Robert in New York. Hey, Robert. Hey, Pat. How are you? So nice to hear you on this crazy Sunday afternoon. Well, you know, it's interesting. Wild, wild weekend at Chase Stadium. Let me tell you, there are a lot of people to feel sorry for. The one person, Pat, that I feel the sorriest for most is Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother. Oh, could the sports gods have dealt him a worse fate? Oh, my God. I mean, I know his brother is probably going to wind up, hopefully, in the World Series or at least an NLCS championship, but my God. Poor, poor little brother. He's winding up with a cesspit disguised as a, as a baseball team. Robert, you a Yankee fan? I am not. You a Braves and fan? I'm not a Mets fan either. No, I can tell you're not a Mets fan. I knew that. No, I what? certainly am not. I think, that, I think the Mets got exactly what they deserve. I'm going to make a statement. If you want to hang up on me and not discuss this, Steve Cohen belongs in jail, Pat. And if nobody wants to discuss it, I'm sorry. He let a an, uh, an acolyte, if that's a good term, a subordinate, take the rap for him. I know friends on Wall Street who told me what he did and what he didn't do, and he belongs in jail, and the Mets belong. I'm sorry. The, the Mets got exactly what they deserve. They had 101 wins last year. They let the Braves cr go right past them. What I think that what I think Atlanta is now 26 games ahead of them or something. So it's going to take. He said five years. It's going to take these the 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 two uh, guys that they got for Robertson uh, from Miami. How many years is it going to take for them to develop? Three. Yeah, three. I think that's best case scenario. They're both in rookie ball right now. Yeah. So uh, Acuna could and, be in the majors next year, though. Um, he could be. He, he's, he's, what he's, have he, you heard about him? I mean, is it is it is is he? Uh, well, he, is he, he, he He's, he plays the infield and the outfield. Uh, right. He's the third-ranked prospect uh, in the Texas Rangers system. He's the 44th-ranked prospect in all of Major League Baseball. Obviously, his brother is uh, one of the best players in baseball, so the family lineage doesn't uh, dis dissuade you from thinking he's got potential. Listen, I, 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 and I hear you, Robert. I, I, thanks for the call. I'm not going to, obviously, <laughs> discuss uh, Steve Cohen's um, business dealings, that's not exactly my area of expertise. But what I will say is this. Um, I think, and we're going to talk a lot about the Mets after the Yankees game gets going. We'll, we'll do a lot of Yankees this first hour and then Mets and Jets after that. I think the Mets did really well here. And what they did in this case was they were able to use Steve Cohen's financial might to help build their farm system. And this all along had to be the other part of the plan for the Mets. All right, we know that Cohen can outspend any other owner in baseball. And Mets fans, since the day Cohen took over, have been thrilled that their team is finally in that position because they never were uh, with the Wilpons, okay? But up until now, Cohen's financial might has only been uh, expressed through signing 
established Major League Baseball players. And in many cases, established Major League Baseball players who you are paying top dollar for past performance. Case in point, the guy they just traded yesterday, Max Scherzer. Justin Verlander is another example. Francisco Lindor is another example. They tried to do it with Carlos Correa before that deal fell through. Doing that is fine, okay? But that can't be your only method of building a team. Now, what Cohen did with the Scherzer deal was really smart. I just gave you, and look, I don't know um, Acuna's brother, Luis Angel Acuna, uh, but I, I know what I what I know and what I just said to our last caller. He's, I believe he's 21 years old, infield, outfield, so some positional flexibility, uh, and I trust in cases such as these, the guys who do this for a living, the people who do this for a living, uh, rank the prospects of each organization and rank them throughout Major League Baseball. And the metrics on that look great. Third-ranked prospect in an organization and the 44th-ranked prospect in Major League Baseball. The Mets' farm system is barren. Now, they still need arms, and that is something that they're going to have to come to grips with by next year. I mean, they just traded away – um, one of their two aces that they were counting on for next year, and they might not be done in that department. But what Cohen was able to do by eating, I believe, Scherzer between the rest of this season and next year, where he's due to make $43 million again, I think he had $57 million owed to him from now until the end of next season, and Cohen picked up $35 million of that. So... The Rangers get him for twenty-two, I think, and a half million dollars for the rest of this year and next year. That's an incredible. Now, all season long, we've been looking at Scherzer in the context of you know he's been okay, a four point one oh four point oh one ERA in baseball. It's not terrible, all right. But if this is a guy getting paid forty-three million dollars, you need more than not terrible. And unfortunately for Scherzer, he wasn't able to provide that to the Mets this season. Well, the Rangers don't have to look at it like that because they're not paying him $43 million. They're paying him, let's say, $5 million for the rest of this season and $17 million next year. $17 million is like a third starter in Major League Baseball. And Scherzer, at this point, is better than that. But the Rangers had to give up a top prospect for that because Cohen was willing to spend the extra money to offset Scherzer's salary and it's one of those trades that could be a win-win for both teams. You know, once David Robertson was traded on Thursday night, and I still say that I think the timing for that was curious because um, unless the Mets were just eager to begin this fire sale and trading off Robertson, there were no questions after that whether or not the Mets were going to be buyers or sellers or what they were going to do. That answered every question that everyone had, even though it was already heading in that direction. So once that happened, then nobody was safe. You know, Scherzer, Verlander, and it starts with pitchers because those are the rarest commodities. Uh, every team needs pitching, whether it's starting pitching or relief pitching. And then after Scherzer's comments really kind of uh, sped up the process, and 24 hours later, he was on his way to Texas. But the Mets did well using their resources in this case. And, I mean, the caller obviously hates the Mets and, and hates Cohen, whatever. Uh, I, I don't feel sorry for Luis Angel Acuna. The Mets aren't going to be a cesspool over the next three to five years. Now, I, I speaking of three to five years, I find it uh, 
hard to believe that they're going to fulfill Cohen's goal of winning a World Series within three to five years because this is year three. Uh, you figure with all of their moves they're making right now, they're going to take a step back next year. So that would be year four. So that puts a lot of pressure on the 2025 Major League Baseball season. But we're also talking about a comment that a new owner made when taking over a franchise trying to drum up excitement for his franchise. Um, we'll see if Verlander is next. We'll see if Jose Quintana is on his way out. Those are really the only two big names left. You know, Tommy Pham and Mark Canna, if they go, they're not going to move the needle too much. But what you've done now with the two players from the Marlins, um, the catcher and the infielder, and more specifically with Luis Angel Acuna from the Texas Rangers, those are three pieces that you can uh, add to your your farm system to really help build that up, which has been lacking significantly since before Cohen took over as owner of the Mets. And Acuna's going to double A. So we'll see if he goes to Binghamton, plays well this year, goes up to AAA next year, plays well April and May. This guy could be in the major leagues contributing this time next year. You know, the Marlins guys you got for David Robertson, the caller was right. We'll wait and see. But that's like two, three years down the road to see if they turn into anything. Acuna could be in the starting lineup next year. And wouldn't that be something? Acuna in New York, Acuna in Atlanta. 1-800-919-3776. Acuna Matata. More of your calls when we continue. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Pat O'Keefe with you on this Sunday evening. 1-800-919-3776. Mets have already won. They take three out of four against the Nationals this weekend. Uh, and that was their final game before the trade deadline, which will be 6 p.m. on Tuesday night. Mets are off tomorrow. They're headed to Kansas City, where they will start a three-game series against the Royals on Tuesday evening. So was it Justin Verlander's last time in a Mets uniform? Um, as I mentioned, Tommy Pham and Mark Hanna, those are more likely to have been uh, players that played their final game in a Mets uniform, but also not as consequential as whether or not Justin Verlander comes back. Look, I could see the argument either way for Verlander. He's pitching as well as anybody in baseball right now. If you can get a similar return for Verlander as you did for Max Scherzer, it's going to be very difficult to turn that down. On the other hand, as I mentioned, the Mets need pitchers next year. And a lot of Major League Baseball teams, successful ones, in the past have taken the approach of build from within for your lineup, your position players, and then you build your pitching staff through the free agent market. And the Mets right now are, especially with Scherzer being sent to Texas, the Mets right now are far more complete lineup-wise, even though they've struggled there. They are far more complete lineup-wise than they are starting rotation. Even if the rotation stays exactly the same as what they have it right now next year, you've got a then 41-year-old Justin Verlander. You would have Jose Quintana. You would have Kodai Senga. And really, not much at all after that. Carlos Carrasco continues to not give you quality outings. And then you have the, you know, seafood medley of David Peterson and Tyler McGill and whoever else you want to throw out there. All right, let's go to, let's go to the phones and let's go to Stephen Chappaqua. Steve, what's up? Pat, it's a pleasure. You know, uh, let me start by saying I think you're terrific. Uh, of the young Hopes uh, you and Ty Butler are my favorites, 
and I consume a lot of uh, sports talk radio, and a lot of the younger people, especially on the other dial, it's like three or four hours of hysteria. And you're 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 thoughtful, measure. You're a real pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Okay. Now, my Yankee point. I'm a big Yankees fan. With the trade line uh, uh, coming up, I would like uh, uh, two things. What do you think they're going to do? And if you were a Yankees fan or Brian Cashman uh, put on his hat, what would you like him to do? What do you think they're going to do? And what would you like to see them do if you were a Yankees fan? I mean, trying to put myself in Brian Cashman's head to think of what he's going to do is a very difficult task. Here's what I think they should do. And that's part of your question, if I'm hearing it correctly, Steve. I think they need out. They need another outfielder, um, preferably. And, and I strongly, strongly emphasize this. They need a left-handed bat for the outfield, somebody to go into left field, an everyday major league player. Now, that got a little tricky earlier today. The Cubs have been red hot. They have gotten themselves into the pennant race, and now the Cubs are saying, according to sources, that Cody Bellinger won't be available. So I, I've been saying for weeks now that he would be an ideal target. But you need an outfield bat, left-handed, and you need more depth in your bullpen. I think the starting rotation, once you get Nestor Cortez back, which is going to be soon, I think the starting rotation is fine. You have Aaron Judge back. Those are my two biggest areas that I would attack to improve this team. Uh, the other thing is uh, in the, you know, uh, the thought out there, the, the uh, you know, what if, a lot of people think that Glaber has the, the most value, uh, but he's the best hitter. Would you make him available, or do you think he's untouchable? I don't think he's untouchable, Steve. Um, I, I, I agree. I do think he has their most value of the players who are realistic to get traded. Um, you know, Volpe has a lot of value, even though he hasn't performed that well. But I don't think Volpe's going anywhere. If you traded Torres, the, the thing that makes most sense to trade Torres for is starting pitching. And again, I don't I don't think the Yankees need any more starting pitching. You could always use more starting pitching, but not at the expense of somebody like Glaber Torres, who now the judge is back, is clearly your second best hitter. So at this point in time, I'm more inclined to just ride it out with Glaber Torres, as frustrating as he can be for Yankee fans. All right, terrific. Again, let me leave with this. Ty and uh, Pat or Pat and Ty, you, you, you two should combine. It'd be a phenomenal show. Good luck. Steve, thanks as always for the call. And uh, you got Ty later, so um, keep it locked here to 98.7. I'm here till 9. Ty Butler takes over. I, I do appreciate Steve um, saying how Ty and I are his two favorite young broadcasters on the station. Um, I'm not going to say how much older I am than Ty, but let's just say I'm quite a few years older than Ty Butler. We'll just leave it at that. The Yankees, now that Judge is back, you don't need – look, uh, Otani was mentioned. Um, you still don't know what San Diego's doing. So Soto I like long-term for the Yankees. I liked Bellinger because I didn't think he was going to be super expensive if he was available. But, look, this happens all the time. The Cubs have gotten hot. And they lost today but to the Cardinals, but they had won eight games in a row. So the Cubs are not only back in the wild card picture in the National League, but more importantly for them, they're in a weak division. You know, you have the Reds, you have the Brewers, and you have the Cubs in the NL Central. The Cubs right now, even at 53 and 52, one game above 500, which will put them in last place in the Yankees division, they're four games behind first place Cincinnati. So... 
this eight-game winning streak, and this happens, this eight-game winning streak right before the trade deadline has kind of changed their line of thinking because they had two prime pieces that a lot of teams were preparing to make offers for. And it could, look, it could still happen. The reports today are they're not going to trade Bellinger according to sources. I don't think anything's ever completely off the table, but they had Bellinger and they had Marcus Stroman. Now, from the Yankees' perspective, with the trade deadline approaching, and they play, obviously, tonight against Baltimore, and then they're back home tomorrow to begin the series against Tampa Bay, and then after that. So the Yankees have two games left before the trade deadline, Tuesday at 6 p.m. A lot of the teams around the Yankees or in front of the Yankees in the American League standings have already been very busy. Texas has been the busiest. They got Scherzer yesterday, and today they pulled off a trade with the Cardinals where they got former Yankee Jordan Montgomery and also a relief pitcher, Chris Stratton. So the Rangers, who are already, they've pretty much been in first place the entire season in the AL West. And they made their big moves before last year. In fact, they made their big moves before the MLB lockout that delayed the start of last season by fortifying their middle infield with Marcus Semien at second base and Corey Seager at shortstop. And last year, they didn't have enough pitching. They committed to bring in Jacob DeGrom, and obviously, and not surprisingly, that hasn't worked out for them. But Nathan Evaldi has been good, but Evaldi's going to be out for a little while now. So even though they made the move for Scherzer yesterday, you also lose Evaldi, so you're trying to replace some of what he has given you with Jordan Montgomery. So Texas has been active. The Blue Jays today made a trade with the Cardinals. They got their closer, Jordan Hicks. The Astros last week fortified their bullpen, getting Kendall Graveman, a relief pitcher from the White Sox. And then the White Sox also had the big trade with the Angels last week, sending Lucas Giolito and their relief pitcher, Reynaldo Lopez, to the Angels. So the Astros are one of the teams the Yankees are chasing. The Rangers are a team that if the Yankees do make it into the playoffs, they very well could see. The Blue Jays are one of the teams the Yankees are chasing, and the Angels are just a game behind the Yankees in the wildcard standings in the AL. The Yankees haven't done anything yet. I don't think the Yankees need to make wholesale changes. A week ago, when Judge's return was still uncertain, and the Yankees, I would say a week and a half ago, the Yankees were getting swept by the Angels and losing two out of three to the Rockies and losing two out of three to the Cubs before the Cubs started playing well. I would have said that the Yankees needed wholesale changes, but, you know, Severino has pitched better his last two starts. Judge is back. With Judge back, Torres has caught fire even before Judge returned, and now with Judge back, we'll see if that uplifts the rest of the lineup, specifically Stanton and LeMayhew and Anthony Rizzo. You have Nestor Cortez coming back. Garrett Cole continues to just be outstanding and give you exactly what you need every five days. So I think the starting rotation, anchored by Cole, Rodon's last start was certainly promising. Nestor Cortez comes back. Clark Schmidt again. If Clark, Clark Schmidt, for most of this season, ever since the calendar turned to May, has given the Yankees what he gave them last night. You know, five to six innings, two to three runs allowed, and a chance to win. And for a fourth or fifth starter, that's exactly what you need. And we'll see if Severino can continue to build on his last two starts. He started off the season well. His first two starts were great. His next eight were awful. His last two starts have been good. 
starting pitching for the Yankees, especially with Cole at the top, pitching as well as he's ever pitched, is in good shape. The bullpen statistically is in great shape. They could use some more depth. But the Yankees need more in their lineup. The Yankees' left fielders this season are batting 227. I think that's the lowest average in Major League Baseball from the left field position. And they're not very good defensively either. And they have to get more left-handed hitting. It has to be a left-handed hitter. You know, I heard Tommy Pham and Mark Hanna as names like mentioned for that. No, it's got to be a lefty. It's Yankee Stadium. It's the short porch. You finally got rid of Donaldson from the lineup, who was another righty clogging up the middle of the lineup. You need more left-handed hitting in the outfield. 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York.